Welcome to the Yoga Inspired Life podcast. I'm your host, Shayla Quinn, and together we'll go on a journey of self-discovery as we explore all of the inner workings of what it means to live an inspired life. Join me for solo episodes and conversations with special guests for real, authentic deep dives into all things yoga, wellness, self-love, mindfulness, and everything in between. If you're ready to get inspired, learn, grow, evolve, to connect, and up-level your life, then you've come to the right place. I am beyond excited that you're here, so let's dive in. Hi, my sweet friend. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm very grateful and excited that you're joining me today, and I'm super excited for today's guest, Kimberly Snyder who is a multi-time New York Times bestselling author, spiritual and meditation teacher, nutritionist, and holistic wellness expert. Kimberly has authored six books, including Radical Beauty, which she co-authored with one of my favorite spiritual teachers and authors, Deepak Chopra. And her sixth book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life was just published in January, which was the focus of our conversation today. But to be completely honest with you, this conversation with Kimberly covered so much ground. Kimberly is also the founder of Soluna, which is a holistic lifestyle brand, and she has her own podcast called The Feel Good Podcast. She has worked with dozens of top celebrities to feel their best, including Drew Barrymore, Reese Witherspoon, and Channing Tatum, and she's been featured by numerous national media outlets, including Good Morning America, The Today Show, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. And I'm not going to lie, I'm extremely honored to have Kimberly on the podcast today to share all of her wisdom and knowledge with you. I know you're going to love this episode. We got into spiritual growth, Yogananda, who that is in his teachings. We talked about self-forgiveness, how you can use your reactions to grow and expand. We spoke about fear. We touch on the biggest block that keeps so many people from having what they want, as well as the power of a morning routine. And of course, her incredible new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are. I have linked all of Kimberly's social links in the show notes, as well as her new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are. I highly recommend it. It's amazing. I'm going to stop chatting your ear off so we can get into today's episode. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Kimberly, this is long overdue to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you today. And I would love to start this off with you just introducing yourself to people in my community who are not familiar with you. Oh, sure. Well, it's so great to have me to be with you to have this conversation. And um, I'm glad we figured it out with our schedules. I know being bi coastal and just so much going on. So my name is Kimberly Snyder. And I'm an author. So I have um, the new book that I'd love to chat with you about today is my sixth book. And I also have a wellness brand called Saluna. And it's based on our cornerstones, which are food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth. So we really believe that when you nurture yourself in this holistic way, it's when you feel the best, you get the best results, you feel more peaceful. So we have offerings in each of them. So food and recipes and supplements. And we have our online community, the Saluna Circle. And then I offer meditations as well. Um, the practical enlightenment meditations are the method that I've developed. And I also have a podcast called The Feel Good Podcast. I'm a mama. I have a two-year-old son and a six-year-old son. And I split my time between LA and Hawaii. 
in Kauai. That. You know, I actually think we originally met at the Four Seasons. It was Global Wellness Day. Oh. I was teaching yoga with Aloe, and I think you were doing the food or a presentation during that day. And it was so cool. That was really the first time I was introduced to you. And then I've actually purchased Saluna too. And oh. I just love everything that you're about. And I love that you really have taken this holistic approach to wellness and the book you're more than you think you are is gorgeous. It's been sitting on my Yay. coffee table and it's just much needed clarity and light in this space. So first and foremost, thanks for what you do. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you know, it really did. Um, so I had a juice bar at the Four Seasons that ah. we haven't reopened yet since COVID. But mm -hmm. I used to, um, a big part of my, or how my career started, I was, well, it's like, how far back do you go? I um, I was looking to feel better myself. I guess we could start there. And so long story short, I was going to be a doctor. I didn't end up going down that path, but I ended up backpacking after college for a few years. And this really opened up my mind to this holistic Mm -hmm. pathway. And I was in India for a long time and I started learning about Ayurveda. And then when I came back, I started teaching yoga. So I was teaching asanas and I was going back to nutrition school. And then I just, you know, I just started a free blog and people started finding me organically. And then I started working with celebrities for about six years full time. So I would mm -hmm. travel with them. I'd live with them for four months during shootings, film shootings. And then I'd go to press tours and it would, it would be labeled as nutritionist that's how the studios would bill me and pay mm -hmm. me or the individual clients but it was never i would say it was like 15 percent about the food right it was always mm -hmm. these cornerstones it was working on body connection and self-connection which is how i define spiritual growth and it was stress management and emotional processing so it was really always how i got the best results and so part of my message is really again this holistic nurturing it, you're not going to get there with food mm -hmm. food alone right now it's important the yoga you know the scriptures the gita bhagavad mm -hmm. gita talks about the importance of food because we know it has such a profound effect on our energy and the quality of our meditation but it's not the end goal right so okay. it's part of it but really it's the whole package that we want to pay attention to totally and i love the over arcing message of how powerful and important our thoughts are. Yes. Right? Like the energy in which we do things, the intention with which we do things is so important too. Well, the thoughts then lead to feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And messenger, chemical messengers start to get secreted and it affects our hormones and it affects our digestion, affects our fertility. So we have a big pregnancy course coming out later this fall. And it's amazing the research about we'll go down that rabbit hole today but it's amazing our mind right when you say people who say the mind and the body are connected but that doesn't resonate with me because it means connection means two separate things right used right versus it's really just one thing totally and so you know people would come to me for bloating and we have these amazing supplements that help like detoxy, which is oxygen, yep. basically that flushes you out and it helps you go to the bathroom more. It's not a laxative. It saved my life. All my clients take it still. But beyond yeah, it's that, one of my favorites, not to interrupt you, but yeah, it's one of my favorite supplements. It's amazing. Oh, amazing. I take it still almost every day, love. Um, 
but also it's like our thoughts. You think about a circular thought pattern, like repeatedly telling yourself you're not good enough or you're fat. And you think about that not being processed through. And what that actually does is it creates a lot of constriction in your system. It pulls blood flow out of your GI tract. It can actually cause manifest and physical bloating and keeping weight on. And so, so many hundreds and thousands of people that I've seen over the years you know, one man in particular, I think of him, he, I was his 15th nutritionist. And it was because we took this holistic approach, was he able to lose the 80 pounds, right? And mm -hmm. like in an easeful way without obsessing over calories, but because we were focusing on letting go, and there's a real energetic part of wellness that isn't so tangible about the food you're eating or the workouts you're doing or the how many handstands you're doing. And so when we really address that part of us, it unlocks a lot of our vitality and our potential, which is so much about what the new book is about. It's really practical guide for working through these ancient teachings and these practices so you can uh, apply that to your life, make your yeah. best life. Yeah. And I want to, we're going to deep dive into the book, but I do want to like piggyback off of what you just said. And I had this experience where I was experiencing really bad acne a couple of years ago mm. and I was doing everything. My diet was on point. My supplements were on point, my sleep the hormones were balanced. And it really came down to recognizing that I was holding on to an immense amount of sadness and anger and mm. trauma from uh, the loss of the relationship with my father and being in an abusive relationship. And I was really holding on to all this stuff and yes. circulating thoughts of I'm not good enough and it's my fault and all this stuff. And the moment that I started to actually in Bali, it all came to the surface and I recognized why wow, I'm holding on to this. And I started to actively sit with it and let it go. My skin started to clear up yeah. and I was seeing tons of dermatologists. They wanted to yes. put me on Accutane. They were like, I was taking medications, nothing was working, but the moment that I started to let go, the acne started to clear up. Yes. Yes. I think it's very powerful. And you think about how skin is our largest organ, right? Yes. And it's such a reflection of our inner state and our energy. And there's research now that shows like certain, um, uh, you know, I don't want to flub it here, but it's like certain uh, neuro like chemicals that are related to depression have been found on the skin, right? Mm. So it's, it's so interrelated and intrinsically connected. And I think about the implications of this for some of the, you know, these huge, the rise of autoimmune conditions, for instance, which is, you know, attacking the self and fear and just, you know, the, the role that this plays, the emotional well-being and the mental health aspect. And when I talk about spiritual growth, which is one of our cornerstones, I don't define that as it's not a formal religion. It's really about connecting to the true self. So who you are past that mind chatter and the fear and what you look yeah. like, the ego is this deeper connection, the connection to your intuition and your voice and your truth. And that really does open up your whole life. The more we go to that place. Yeah, you're so right. So I know you touched on it briefly but what inspired you to really sit down and intentionally write you are more than you think you are was there one particular experience or was there this moment aha moment or download where you were like this message needs <laughs> to be heard i'd love to hear about that process yeah so for me i always wait for that spanda right that divine inspiration mm -hmm. that feeling and so this book came through when I was 34 weeks pregnant with my mm -hmm. second son, and I was not looking to write a book at that time, but it literally came through like this wants to be on the planet. 
you know, these, these, um, these teachings in this form, which are really um, focused around Paramahansa Yogananda, the great yoga guru who brought yoga to the West. And a lot of his teachings are, they're so profound, but they're in dense books. Autobiography of a Yogi is not an easy feat no. to get through. Yeah. Or, you know, the his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, which is incredible, or the Bible, right? It just goes on and on. And so I just had this deep feeling of this wants to come through. And so I didn't know what to do with that. I reached out to my dear friend and co-author two books ago, Deepak Chopra. And I said, here's my idea. And he's also fam very familiar with Yogananda. And he said, oh, this book belongs with Hay House. So my previous publishers were Random House and HarperCollins, and he connected me to Hay House. And next thing I knew, they were like, you know, the president was like, well, what's your book idea about? And then it was like this, this flow. Mm. So I, next thing I knew, I was on a Zoom presenting my idea, and I just wrote a sample chapter. And then three days before I gave birth, I signed my book deal. And then I, I gave chills, birth. by the way. This is, like, so <laughs> special. I love that. And then I waited. You know, I did my Ayurvedic full 40 days. But then I actually waited 60 days is when I started writing. So it just... And I, as I mentioned earlier, this is my sixth book, and this is a completely different experience than my other books. It just felt like, get out of the way. It just, you know, I don't mm. say this lightly in a woo, woo way, but it felt really channeled. Like I just sat at my desk and I had this newborn and it was during the pandemic and my four-year-old at the time wasn't in school. And somehow this book just flowed out of me. And um, yeah, I just feel like such an honor to really talk about these teachings. So you get to this place, Shayla, where it's like, what are we doing here with our time? Yeah. You know, yeah. what, what do we want to contribute and get to this point, or at least I have in my journey. And I talk about this in the book where I went through this intense low period in my life where I lost my mom really suddenly to cancer. And then I, you know, kind of had this big epiphany, went through a big breakup and moved out and all this stuff happened. And that was where Saluna was formed. I was like, mm -hmm. I can't just talk to people about food anymore all these other parts and i'd always talked about yoga and i had yoga dvds and things like that videos and downloads and things but it was like no it has to be more of a system mm -hmm. so then it started to come forward and then this book came through and i just feel like it's not just it's really not about us you know in the saluna circle our theme this month is being in flow it's really you know the, the Tao Te ching talks about this not really having a destination we just open up to spirit's way and the most amazing things start to happen and come in and we get guidance and we have to really forget the past and who we think we are every day. Like, oh, I'm this person and I, this teacher, I do this, I talk about this. But the more open we become, I think that um, synchronicities come in and that's very much what this felt like to me. It's an active process though, too, isn't it? Letting go of who we oh, were yes. and allowing ourselves to kind of move towards or lean into who we really are, you know, as we change on a moment to moment basis, right? Because we're always evolving. So in the Gita, there's 26 soul qualities that are talked about to reach your fullest potential. And Yogananda goes into great commentary on them. But the number one quality, which is why this book starts with the chapter is fearlessness. Mm. So I think the reason we stick to the familiar and we stay in our comfort zone and we want to say, well, I'm good at this or people know me for this or I know I can sell this product is because of that fear. But it, the fear is the biggest block, right? Mm. So the way the book is structured is actually the way Yogananda teaches, which is part one is removing the blocks. 
So it's sort of like if I take someone through a physical food cleanse, we need to remove obstruction in their GI tract. We need to cleanse the colon, right? We need to get things out first. So mm-hmm. that's why we talk about fear in section one, wholeness, love, love connecting to the love inside of you and activating love as a verb. So you're not just trying to get it out here. And then part two is embodying who you really are, which you may not really know about, right? So the, the qualities of the true self, tapping into your into, into your intuition and the peace inside of you. And then part three is creating. So the longest chapter in the book is called You Are Creator. And so it's how we take these ideas and our unique talents and put them out in the world in our best stuff. Mm-hmm. Also abundance, magnetism. But the problem I find is a lot of people just go, they just want to jump to creating or they emulate, they're like, I want to do this, but they don't do parts one and two. So there's always this gap and people tend to fall short in their projects or they don't get the results they want, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have to take that time to clear out the blocks and the fear and then connect deeply, and then the best stuff will come. What do you think the most common blocks are that are keeping people from having what they truly want or or even discovering what they truly want? So the book is about connecting to the true self, right? So the opposite of the true self, the the part that we tend to over-identify with is the ego. Mm -hmm. So the ego is what we're sensing with our five senses. So it's what we see in the mirror. It's, you know, the smell, taste, sight. So imagine if we over-identify with this tiny little part of us, that's where all the fear comes in. That's where we start to compare. We're looking on social media and we think this person is skinny or has more followers or all this stuff. So the biggest block is over identifying with that, which we are not really the ego. Mm -hmm. And so instead, when we learn to connect through these teachings and practices, we're literally taking our attention from out here and we're directing it inward. What Yogananda calls the searchlights of your attention go inward into your spine and your brain. And so that's your central nervous system. So when you do that, that's your infinite potential. That's like 99.9999% of who you really are. Mm -hmm. So you're not so over identified. You're not so focused. You get out of, I'm not good enough, or I should look like this person, or, oh, I should copy this business, or your best stuff is always going to come from inside of you. So the biggest block is people spend all their time and attention from the moment they wake up in the morning, they're already on Instagram or TikTok until they go to bed, they're always out here. And so we need to balance energy and attention with flowing out and flowing in. Why do you think it's so easy for us to focus more on, on how we present versus who we really are? Well, think about it. I didn't grow up knowing this stuff. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in a household where meditation was a regular practice. Mm-hmm. I think as you know, any adolescent girl, I was, you look in the mirror, you come totally. totally. I had eating disorders in high school. Mm-hmm. Even now, I think about the world being harder for women in particular with the social media and the images. Yeah. So it's easy to wake up and look in the mirror and kind of identify with what is there. And it takes a lot more, we need to be taught this, right? Mm-hmm. And these are what the yogis were, were telling us, but there's like, we have to seek the knowledge. It, it, that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this because I didn't, I didn't have any access to this until I went backpacking and I went to India. We need to learn that, you know, Yogananda says the funny thing is the things that we think are real aren't really real. And the things that, we don't think are real are real (laughs) right Mm -hmm. so what that means is this energy inside of us like when we tune in which requires stillness it requires actually carving time away it actually requires us 
putting the phone down and really making an effort to go into this place. And it's an effort to meditate, right? And do these practices versus just, you know, oh, I'm going to buy a pillow that vibrates and gives me like a meditation, like feeling or all Mm -hmm. these biohacking things. It takes more effort, but it's, it's worth it. You know, when I think about the progress I've made in self-love, self-connection, peace and joy, oh my gosh, like this is what we're really seeking. And yet it's, it's inside of us. It's not something you can buy. It's not something you can just paint on, right? It comes from the inside. So in some ways it's, it's simpler, but it does require some effort. And as I mentioned in the book, it doesn't mean you have to change your whole life overnight, but things like a morning routine, Mm-hmm. drinking hot water with lemon, which helps you get in tune with your body. The heat puts you in even meditating. My, my guided meditations are about seven minutes, right? Doing these practices regularly and having an evening routine really starts to balance that flow of attention instead of always out here to out here a lot, but mm-hmm. in here sometimes, and that in here sometimes builds and builds energy, builds creativity. And now your best stuff starts coming forward. That's when I started doing the lessons of Yogananda and I started doing Kriya Yoga, that's when I started writing books. That's when the book deals came. That's when I started going on Good Morning America. So only celebrities came and I gotta tell you, Shelly, I don't even own a TV. I have, I'm the person that's the most out of pop culture. I never intended to work in Hollywood. And I would often be there with all these big people like, oh my gosh, you work with Channing Tatum, he's so hot. Or you work with Reese, all these people. And I just think, They're regular people to me. And I didn't, you said intention. I didn't intend it. It was that I was open and the flow. And that was part of my journey. And I think part of it was really teaching me and showing me this aspect of life where so many people aspire to fame and name and money. And it's, it's not what people think it is. Yeah. And I think maybe your intention, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but was, was, and is to be of service. Exactly. Exactly. a beautiful yes. intention to have yes. that Put brings about abundance, isn't it? It's like a clear, uh, genuine, honest desire to be of service. And then of course the things that people, um, are often chasing, you know, and, and doing to try to gain all kind of flowed to you anyway, but out of a, out of just an energetic flow, because you were so purely showing up to be of service, which is a really beautiful thing. So we, so I talk about purpose as a concept in the book and the way that the Gita talks about it, the way Yogananda describes it is our purpose. And you can use any word you like, of course, we could say universe, source, spirit, God, yeah. I personally say God, but it's to connect to that true self. So spirit inside of you, right? And so that's like our number one purpose is to find that that's where the compassion, the love comes from. And then from that place, that uniqueness, your unique gifts, your unique soul will then find the ways to serve the whole and the collective. So it's a really twofold part of our purpose. If we just try to serve, um, which is beautiful as well, but when we connect first and then we can serve in the highest and most clear way. And I think that's the most powerful. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like I'm not alone in this, in saying that it can feel really challenging to show up authentically sometimes, because at least for most of my early life, I was really busy trying to fit in and be like everybody else. Yes. You know, and 
I've done a lot of work to, to kind of own my uniqueness, but it can feel challenging. And I know a lot of people struggle with this. Of course, if someone's listening right now and they're struggling with really owning their authenticity and the unique things about them, what advice would you give them? So it's important to realize again, the ego is the world that we live in, right? Mm -hmm. We go on news, you go on social media, you're not going to find your uniqueness spending time out there right? So you don't get to know yourself unless you start to spend time and effort getting to know yourself. Yes. So again, not to sound repetitive, but it really is the, it's like the circadian rhythms of nature, right? It's like you get up um, or the sun comes up and then there's certain times of dusk and dawn. And it's really this trajectory of rhythm. So in Ayurveda, it's called Dinacharya. It's your daily routine. So it's the ways in which I would say you you conduct yourself in the first hour of your day will definitely direct the flow of energy for the day. So the morning practice, again, the meditation for me, hot water with lemon, the SBO probiotics or Saluna probiotics, because gut health is such an important aspect of moods and neurotransmitters. And then drinking glowing green smoothie, journaling, getting set up for the day, I think is really important. But as I mentioned, the exercises in the book in the fear chapter, I mean, it's almost like cleansing. It's important to go through that. And I just met a reader that said she spent four hours doing that first practice. And it just, um, she moved from New York to LA after that. She, or the fear went away. She just started doing all these things in her life. And so I think similarly to how we may approach physicality or like, I need to get back in shape. It's important to do these exercises at least once that are inspired from these teachings or the whole, the, the practice in the whole chapter, which is removing shame from behavior, right? And I give the example of a client that I had that cheated on her fiance and it came out and stuff happened, but we, it's, it's not us, it's the ego, right? So it's like, we start to have to remove our attachment from behaviors, good and bad, and connect to underneath to mm -hmm. find the wholeness to find that uniqueness, to find that self-love. So to me, self-love is when we can show up and say, and with clarity say, okay, I'm me. Here's the parts that I really need to keep working on. Here's the parts where I'm doing really well, but being okay in the messiness and the humanness because we're dipping out of ego and true self all the time. So it's seeing the wholeness and then we can start to integrate the shadows back in, which is part of the fear. We need to see what's going on, but then we keep bringing our light to it. Then we bring our light and the more we integrate, the stronger we become, the more whole we become. And that's when we feel unique. And that's when we feel good enough, right? If we're just pushing away, we're just literally trying to make our bodies more fit. But underneath, we're like, I'm a horrible person because I did this thing or mm. this or this and this. We don't really feel good, right? So the integration happens on this very powerful, emotional, spiritual level. And that changes your body that changes hormones. I've seen it change fertility. I've seen it change aging. I've seen it change digestion and weight loss and a million things. We cannot bypass energy, right? It is, it is transparent. When I meet someone, you can really, you, anyone, all of us, we can feel the energy. Even if they're saying the right thing, the energy behind it can be very different. Totally. So someone can be saying, I want to change my life. I want to attract my soulmate. I want to have this and that. But underneath there isn't that alignment so, um, you know, it's a pretty raw book, Shayla, if you got through it, but I share a lot about, you know, my pain and my loss and all the things I've been through to say, hey, look, this is what really helped me 
Um, and I just want to share that. The self-forgiveness part though is so hard. And I feel like a lot of us, at least I'll speak on my behalf, get stuck in this blame cycle and shame cycle, like you said, around behaviors really out of an effort to find some control in the situation. Right. Because maybe we feel like if it, if I can make it my fault, then maybe I can fix it kind of a thing. But really when you get stuck in, in that cycle of denying yourself forgiveness and rejecting yourself, it constricts the flow of energy. I noticed in my life, like I'll be manifesting so many things when I'm really fully, wholly accepting myself and showing myself forgiveness. And then I'm human. I slip out of my practices when I'm not connecting with myself or when I'm moving or I'm sick or whatever it is. And I notice everything becomes stagnant. Yeah. Opportunities stop flowing. Everything stops flowing. And I, I think that that is like something that maybe if someone isn't paying attention can experience, you know, things that were going so well, what happened? Everything stopped, you know, what, if you've experienced struggles with self-forgiveness, what is your MO for moving through that or recognizing that? Like, how do you work through that to, to try to rebalance yourself out? I know you share a ton of amazing exercises in the book, but well, so you, you you mentioned a couple interesting words. You said, you know, I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to control. It's like this doing mode. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like to release, to really release the shame, to really integrate the shadows, it means we have to bring our light to them, but not be afraid to feel and not be afraid to see the deep pain, the deep shame of like, oh shit, like I did this, right? Mm-hmm. I caused a lot of pain. And to sit a little bit in that darkness, not forever, but to let it through. And once we let it through, then it starts to metabolize, right? We have to really let it in because I think for a lot of us, we're like, oh no, let me just push, push it away. away. Totally. Yes. Or I'm going to do this to sort of you know placate myself or this person and it lingers it doesn't get fully metabolized so instead of rushing to that place the most powerful thing that i've learned in self-forgiveness is to sit with it like it's like you're free falling in this darkness and you're like oh this feels so bad and horrible but what happens again you bring your light to it and what i mean by that is you bring your self-awareness you bring your breath you can maybe you don't do it one sitting but you do as much as you can handle at that time to see with the practices and with this awareness that you are not your behaviors, right? And then you can feel it and then it starts to go through. Now there's a two important parts are learning lessons, mm-hmm. right? It's like we're gonna keep doing the same thing and hurting people over and over again. So we wanna learn. And sometimes there is action steps to clean up the mess, to apologize, to come from your heart mm-hmm. and to give a heartfelt apologies or, or whatever it is. But this part about really letting it in is the part that I think most people skip because it's really hard. Yeah, so even yeah. when I was, um, you know, going through the grief of losing my mom, it was like, I think about standing in the ocean, right? Go to Hawaii a lot. Like if you stand really rigid, that wave comes, that life comes and it will knock you over and it will hurt. Mm-hmm. But if you see the wave and you kind of integrate with it, you duck roll under it or you let yourself roll along, you're letting life flow. And so part of this self-love, like I said, it's understanding that, we have parts we're all still working on and parts that, okay, I'm doing better here. But the more we can see that and open up to it and realize we're on this journey and it's okay and we're messy and we're perfectly imperfect, we stop this facade 
of like controlling what people think of us or how we look and we just don't care anymore <laughs> less and less and it relaxes us into this softness of authenticity and the softness of the true self which i think is very magnetic and it's very real it's not putting up walls anymore and what happens is you start to accept other people more because you're like oh wow i i did this stuff i could see how someone else could easily fall into that so you come from deeper waters you have more grit you have mm -hmm. much more compassion and much bigger heart and so we grow we just keep growing and going you know yeah, that radical acceptance is so liberating too, isn't it? Yes, it doesn't happen overnight. No. But it comes from this, again, in the, the fear chapter where I talk about seeing the shadow. So it's like when the lamp is on in the room and there's parts that are lit up, you're like, okay, I know this part about me. I can be impatient, can be this and this. But if you keep moving further out, the light's less dim, right? So there's more shadows. So you have to really sit and think, okay, um, and I'll give you an example. You, you, you watch your reactions, right? To see where the shadows are. So it used to really bother me when people would interrupt me. And it's like, of course it's normal, but like, ah, oh, like you're not hearing me. So underneath that was trauma, like in my childhood where I didn't feel heard and seen. And so underneath that was this deep fear that I wasn't lovable, right? I wasn't worthy of being heard. So once I could feel that pain, it was like, oh this anger we layer on top these reactions it's because underneath it's like a scared animal underneath is an unprocessed big shadow that causes blocks it causes you say i don't like this person right are they you push away yes. or you attract the same relationship or whatever we do so it's so important that we look into the shadows for our own healing and it's like layers right the more we just shed and shed and shed we come into this wholeness and the acceptance starts to come in and that creates more acceptance for other people this is such a great tip you guys listening, I hope you write <laughs> this down and use this to pay attention to your reactions. Yes. This is amazing. Honestly, like it's not, and this isn't the first time I've heard that, but just hearing you speak about this now in, in that example, that makes so much sense. I was even thinking of a situation in the last 24 hours where yes. I was thinking about my reaction and thought, oh yeah, it wasn't about the thing and it doesn't have to be this like crazy bad reaction but it's just paying attention isn't it yes so we know when something's like a normal like oh annoyance or whatever versus it hits something totally right? and when it hits something and it's a repeated thing and we either get really really reactive when it happens or we shift our whole life to avoid it happening meaning we don't go to certain parties we don't go around certain people so we, we make our lives more constricted and small that's when we just want to start to sit with oh i am safe you know there's the other whole big part of this is the true self is this sanctuary inside of us no one can take it away so you know when covid hit everybody was freaking out everybody's whole legs got turned up upside down understandably so but then it's like all this is happening out here safety and security isn't going to be found in the government it's not going to be found in like the you know the national health where is it going to be found and the only place it's going to be found is inside of you so all these reactions and the shadows it's because of fear and the antithesis the antidote is finding this fearless place where people can say what they like, they can carry on with their behaviors. It means we can be discerning, we avoid, you know, we spend less time with people, we're drawn to certain people, we connect more with certain people, but we are safe. 
We are safe. We don't have to control life. Powerful, very powerful. So for someone who's not familiar with Yogananda, I know you've shared little bits and pieces, but I'd love for you to just expand and share who he is and why he's so important to people today. Yes. So I grew up Catholic and I was eh, like not so connected to the church, but I remember always feeling really connected to the love and the stories about Jesus. And then I sort of, you know, went my own way in college. I didn't go to church anymore. And then I went backpacking for three years, like I said, and then I went to India. I spent this big chunk of time in India. And I remember I went into this little bookshop and I talk about in the book and Rishikesh and I wandered and I found this book of Yogananda and he was talking about oneness and he was talking about these, you know, the underlying energy of all things, this energy matrix. He's talking about things in this beautiful way. And I was like, oh yes, this makes sense to me. And so he was the first person, he was the yogi that came to America and also taught that there's oneness. So he puts at the center of the altar, Jesus Christ and Bhagavan Krishna showing, hey, Hinduism, yoga, Christianity, all religions, all faiths are about going up the mountain to the one, right, to spirit. And so it made sense to me. And I said, oh, I don't have to, I'm not converting to Hinduism. I'm, I'm, I'm connecting to this true self inside me. This isn't religion. It's about the love. It's about the unconditional love. So he was the one that first, that really showed, hey, you can keep on being a Christian or you can have no religion or you can be Jewish, you can be whatever you want, you want to be. But meditation and these principles of yoga, we know yoga is not asanas. It's like a tiny, tiny, tiny part. One, of one little tiny sliver. Like, 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 a, like a grain of sand on yes. the entire beach, right? Yeah. So he was the one that said, if you do these practices and you get into your spine and your brain and you magnetize your energy, your whole life will change and you can be you can be a religion or you can don't, you don't have to be a religion, but either way, you're going to find this peace inside of you and you're going to find this deep connection and this love inside of you. And when I started practicing Kriya, which is the, you know, it's a, the book is inspired the preliminary public teachings, but you can go deeper and deeper through taking Yogananda's lessons. I felt, I mean, I can't even tell you how my whole life changed. I was this backpacker, that came back to New York City and I was like in flip-flops and some days I would buy three oranges for a dollar from those fruit carts because I had no money. And then I would sit on my little Murphy bed and I just felt my energy changing. And it was this incredible, you know, like I said, every I just, oh, I'm gonna start this blog and I'm gonna go here and there. And then the book deal started, and just like my whole life started opening up. And so I just want people to know that it doesn't, it's not circumstantial. It doesn't, you know, don't have to have all this money or all this training necessarily, or know all these people. I didn't know anybody, you know, and I just kind of, I created that connection from inside of me. And so that's why I'm really passionate about this book of all of my books. This is the one that I feel like can help people the most because <laughs> it's what helped me the most. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's what makes it so special too, is because it just feels like an extension of you. You can feel your heart within the pages Mm. and it's really, yeah. And still accessible though, too, you know, to everyone, the teachings are well shared, but very accessible, which sometimes some of the yogic teachings and books and texts are hard to uh, digest, you know, for someone who's new to the practice. Speaking of the book, 
I, which I will link below in the show notes for you guys listening, but what are some of the practices and techniques that you share in the book for helping us move into and towards our highest potential? Maybe you could share one or two. Sure. So a lot of them um, involve writing and journaling because I, you know, there's research out of Harvard that shows this taking thing, pen to paper and it really does help get it things does. out of you. Yes. It's so like, it's, so powerful. It's so powerful and so easy. You just need like a pen or a pencil and a journal, but there's one practice we can do here. Um, okay, great. That is the expanding the gaps pro- practice, which is the precursor to the meditations that are inspired by Yogananda. But what the yogis teach is that in order to get to this place of intuition and deep, deep connection, we have to touch stillness. And once we touch it, then it starts to expand. But the play, the time where we really experience stillness is in the little gaps between the inhales and the exhales. So in this expanding the gaps practice, we do a very simple four count breath, but then we pause and we just sort of marinate in that space of, of that gap. So maybe we can do a, a few rounds if you guys are listening and you're not driving in your place where you can just close your eyes you can go ahead and do that. And then just take a nice deep breath in into your belly and then exhale and just settle down. So I'm going to do the counts. We're going to inhale and exhale for four, and we're going to pause in those gaps. Now it'll be self-explanatory in just a moment. I will explain. So let's begin. Now we're going to take a nice slow breath in for four, two, three, four. So pause full at the top, nice and relaxed. And then exhale slowly, two, three, four, pause empty at the bottom. And then inhale, two, three, four, pause full at the top. Exhale, two, three, four, pause empty at the bottom. And one more time, inhale, two, three, four, pause full at the top. And then exhale, two, three, four, pause empty at the bottom, lungs empty. And then breathe in and out normally, (laughs) slowly, and then you can float your eyes open when you're ready. So it's just like a few seconds, but isn't it amazing when we, there's stillness to be found. I feel like I just took a Xanax (laughs) in the best way possible. (laughs) You know, it's like, wow, (laughs) just a hot bath. I'm like, oh, nice weighted blanket was just put over me. Grounded. And so I feel like sometimes people feel like I have to go do this class or I have to go like a breathwork class or I have to go do a retreat in Bali or something. But the truth is that stillness is here if we tune in. 
you can be on the, the crowded subway of New York and you can do this practice or I do it around, you know, sometimes even when, you know, my kids are playing next to there's like chaos around and it really does um, just reinforce this idea that this is available to us as householders. You know, we're not Brahmins, we're not monks, we're not mm -hmm. sitting on the top of the mountain all day. We are in life. And so that was the significance of the Kriya Yoga teachings coming forward that this isn't, this is for everybody. This is accessible now. Yes, I totally agree. And I, I'd love to, to just hear your opinion on, I think that it doesn't always have to be this long drawn out practice either. The uh, response I oftentimes get is I don't have time to do a full on long drawn out morning routine and yeah. What are your thoughts and feelings about that? Do you think it's still effective to do a shortened yes. hybrid version, right? It's yes. better than nothing, I think. Don't you think? hundred percent. I think consistency is important. And as I mentioned, the guided meditations that I teach that are free on our Saluna app are about seven minutes. So that's, you know, a little bit more than five minutes. And if you do that, the benefits of helping with your food cravings, giving you energy, just clarity, better decision-making, it really is worth it. And the rest of the routine, I'm not saying you have to do the full, you know, asana routine in the morning or make a bunch of complicated food or anything. It's that's really the most important foundational piece. And then I say it's, you know, it's like eating healthy. You start with one meal, you start in the morning and you feel so good and you move on to lunch and then you eat a healthier dinner. Yeah. So for me, once I just started getting in the flow of meditation, it felt really challenging at first to do these practices, but then somewhere along the line, I started feeling amazing. And then naturally I was drawn to going in and staying deeper and longer, but that was over time and it was gradual, you know? I absolutely love chatting with you. I could I make this the chat. longest <laughs> podcast episode ever and just keep, keep chatting with you. I'll have to have you back on, but to, um, close this out, I would love for you to maybe give some wisdom and advice. If someone is listening right now and is just beginning their wellness and self-love journey, and they just don't know where to start or, or they're feeling lost, where would you tell them to begin or, or what a uh, few words of encouragement would you give them? So I would say that, first of all, congratulations. It's exciting when we make that decision to step up and really tune in and take care of ourselves. I will reiterate the importance of the morning practice that is the place to start. Just like New Year's, we say it's one time a year, every morning we come from this altered state of consciousness called sleep. So it's a chance to reset your energy. And so again, reiterating as well, the four cornerstones, food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth. I recommend a simple morning routine that touches on all of them. So meditation is spiritual cornerstone. If you have time to do a little journaling afterwards, that's the emotional piece. You drink water, hot water with lemon, the glowing green smoothie, that's the food piece. And then taking your SBO probiotics. I don't recommend a lot of supplements, but these are the ones that are clinically researched that I put out that I stand by a million percent. I've tried every probiotic out there. Um, that's the body piece because then the body starts to really function and be supportive of your goals. So if it's simple, not long. You can be taking the probiotics while you're heating up the water for totally. you know, the water. And so everything happens like within 20 minutes if you're doing that meditation, but we're touching on this holistic practice. And then you can build from there. So don't worry about changing your whole life. Just start in the morning, get into that flow and see what unfolds. 
And that's a wrap on another episode of the Yoga Inspired Life podcast. I hope you got something valuable from it and feel empowered to take inspired action. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending time with me today. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I loved creating it, then please subscribe and leave a review. And if you know of anyone that would benefit from the podcast, I would love it if you would share it with them. I always say that we rise by lifting others, and this is a totally independent podcast, so every little bit of support truly means so much to me. If you're looking for more, let's connect on Instagram. You can find me at Shayla Quinn. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you again for listening, and I'll catch you next week.